0: Welcome to today's edition of the Bible class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at WHCBRadio.org. That's WHCBRadio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible class, Care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson.
1: Welcome to the Bible class. We are studying the General Epistle of James. James is a difficult book for some people. In fact, some folks have just laid the book aside and not tried to study it. I think that's a mistake, of course. All Scripture is given by inspiration, and it's given by God for us to study. So we can know how to use the Word and to believe the Word so we can follow the Word. And so it's up to us, by God's grace, to seek the leading of the Holy Spirit in the teaching of the Word to us. And so we continue in our study here in the book of James. Glad that you have chosen to study the book of James. It is a blessing as we study it. And we look in chapter 2 as we continue in our study at this very moment. We are looking at Abraham. Let's go back to verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou... How faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect or complete. Now, we mentioned last time that the justification of Abraham by faith was in Genesis chapter 15, as we see it presented to us by Paul, which justification meaning to declare a sinner righteous in the sight of God. And the term justification being used by James being vindication or to show to be righteous we find that in Genesis chapter 22 when um, Abraham attempted to sacrifice his son Isaac as he had been commanded of course God stayed Abraham's hand Isaac was spared a ram was found and was sacrificed on the altar And so here James says, I want you to see how faith working with his works, wrought with his works, and by works was faith made complete. And that's the point. The point is that faith is incomplete without works. It is by grace we're saved through faith, not of works. But works is what we are saved to do. We're told we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that's where we find ourselves in this portion of Scripture. And for us to understand James, we must understand that it is the most Old Testament book in the New Testament. We must also understand it's the first epistle, the first general epistle in particular, but probably the very first epistle that was written, and it was written to the Jewish church. It was not written to your church today. It was written to the Jewish church. However, it was written to us. And so we can learn much uh, by reading the book of James and by studying the book of James. And there is no battle between what Paul teaches and what James teaches. It is indeed by grace through faith that we're saved, not of works. It is indeed by works that our faith is seen, because we are created in Christ Jesus unto those good works. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was impossible. Imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Imputation, imputed, big word. It's the act of God where he accounts righteousness to the believer in Christ. It's sort of like taking it from one ledger and putting it in another ledger. He accounts righteousness to the believer in Christ who has borne the believer's sins in vindication of the law. It is Christ himself who imputes this righteousness. He gives that righteousness to the believer. And so, he was called, Abraham, was called a friend of God. That's a good title. It's one of those uh, found in Genesis that Abraham was called. We continue. Verse 24 Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Justification is by faith but you will see it in the works. That's the point. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. She showed her faith in Almighty God by her actions. Her faith was in her heart. Her faith was in her very being. The faith was not changed by her actions. It was made manifest. It was made seen or known or shown by her actions. And you see, that's the way it is with us today. We may have all the faith that we can muster, But if we don't show it in how we live, how we act, how we perform on a daily basis, how we seek the face of God, how we follow his word and do what he has called us to do, if we are not faithful in those things, in working the work of God, then no one knows that we have faith. In fact, they may think we have faith. They may think we have faith in christ but until they see the action of faith they don't know that for sure this is a human thing we don't see it god does we don't see it god does we don't see it but god does that's the important thing and here james says if you're going to have your faith known you're going to have to show it and you show it by doing what god has called you to do You see then how that by works a man is justified not by faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works. Her heart was right. She had faith in her heart. And then she received the messengers and sent them out another way. And that showed her faith. Now, if she had said, I believe that God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth, is going to save Israel and going to give you this city, and this city is going to be destroyed. If she had said, I believe that, but I'm not going to do anything, she would not have been saved, would she? She would not have been in the lineage of royalty. She would not have been part of the Bible story if she had not acted upon her faith. If she had just sat there and said, no, I'm not going to take these people in. It'll get me involved with the authorities. I don't want to be involved with the authorities. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I certainly don't want to have to answer to the king's men. She could have done that. She could have said, no, I don't have enough faith to do that, so I'm not going to do it. And she would not have shown any faith. However, she said, no, this is the right thing to do. And she showed her faith. And when she showed her faith, manifested her faith, we saw it. There are two examples given by James in verses 16 and 19. And these are bad examples. These are spurious examples. These are incorrect examples. Verse 16, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. This is someone that's destitute and naked. And one of you say, Depart in peace. Be ye warm, be ye filled. Notwithstanding, they give them nothing. What does it profit? Even so faith without works is dead. That's one example. It's a negative example. He also gives another one in verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But what do you do? You do nothing, you just believe. That was negative again. But now, he gives two examples of genuine faith, and that's Abraham. Abraham justified by the works shown in Genesis 22, and was justified by faith in the Attitude and heart shown in uh, Genesis 15, Genesis 22 and Genesis 15 for Abraham. And then we have Rahab uh, here, uh, shown in um, Joshua chapter 2, verse 4. Rahab shown as having genuine faith as well by her works. Abraham was the Jewish patriarch of great sanctity. His faith was perfected by his works. Rahab was the lowest citizen of a condemned Gentile city. Her newfound faith was dramatized by her works. So no matter whether one has the mature faith of Abraham or the baby-like faith of Rahab, there must be evidence of that faith. And the evidence is by your works. It's by what's seen on the outside. And we see in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's talk about that for just a second. The point of this analogy between the body and one's faith is that both require an energizing element. The absence of that element renders the other component dead. And so for the body, it's the spirit. And for the activation of faith, it's works. And so you see that in both situations. And so that's why it's being given to us here. Let's think about Abraham and Rahab for just another moment before we move on. And I see here two individuals, two different walks of life, two different economic strata, uh, two different backgrounds. Abraham had walked with God for years. Abraham had gone out as God called him to. Rahab had just been a Harlot, a prostitute in the city, and yet understood the truth of God. How she understood it, why she understood it, I don't know. But she understood it. And understanding it, she believed it. And so it was indeed what she was concerned with. And there it was for you and for me to see. So we've come through the testing of faith in chapters one and two. And now we're going to part two in our very narrow outline. The reality of faith tested by the tongue in chapter three. This is a very difficult chapter because it speaks to each one of us. Each one of us has to deal with our tongue. A true faith will control your tongue. If your faith is not true, then your tongue will be wagging. Beginning at verse 1, chapter 3, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The word masters would today be translated teachers, so don't be many teachers. Chapter 3's theme is the teacher as well as the tongue. Schofield speaks of it as being The Mastering of the Tongue, and Ryrie speaks of it as the dangers of the tongue, and yet sees the theme of chapter 3 as being the teacher. The chapter progresses from the teacher to his primary tool, the tongue, and then to the source of his teaching, his wisdom. James warns the many who are seeking to teach in the church since in the early church it was an easy matter to teach in the synagogues as well, Jesus and Paul in the early church demonstrate that even strangers could teach (Acts 13 and 15). Anyone who thought he had the gift to teach would also want to use it (1 Corinthians 12:8 and 28), and it was misused (1 Corinthians 14:26). First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 So the warning of James is twofold. Number one, the teacher will receive greater scrutiny from God because the teacher often passes judgment upon his hearers. And two, the primary teaching tool is the tongue, which no one can control sufficiently. And so this is a problem for both teachers and even those that are taught. My brethren, count it, or be not many masters. Don't be a teacher of many. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man or mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The whole body. We shall have a more severe judgment, we're told, by being the teachers uh, that we are all uh, responsible for what we say and we're responsible for what we impart to those students. When I approach this class and I think of the teaching that is to be done on any specific day, in any specific segment of time, I'm reminded that it must be the Holy Spirit of God that teaches us. The Holy Spirit of God must be the one to teach through me. Just as the Holy Spirit of God must be the one that teaches you after I have made the words known to you, you need to take those internally and to digest them mentally, and then to learn from them those things that the Holy Spirit of God would teach you. And so I'm very much aware of that, realizing that I am not a great teacher. I am not a good teacher. I am a teacher. And it is the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, that does the real teaching. Not only does God the Holy Spirit teach me, he teaches through me. And that is because that's the way God does it. You see, how is it better... Uh, to understand a book. Well, the best way to understand a book or a chapter of the book is to find the person that wrote it and let them tell you about it. Let them teach you about it. And so it is with the Word of God. You see, the Word of God was written by God Almighty through His workers, through Paul, and in this case through James, and through Jude, and through Peter, and uh, through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. That's how the Scripture was given to us. And since the Holy Spirit was active in getting it written, so also we must understand the Holy Spirit is active in its interpretation and its teaching. So, if there's no better way to learn a book than to hear from its author, certainly there's no better way to learn Scripture than to ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach us. And so, when I approach the Word of God, in any teaching setting, and this is included in the teaching setting that we are in today, I approach the throne of God and ask him to teach me and to help me to do the the teaching, to pass it along, so that those who hear my teaching will understand the teaching as it's been presented to me. That's important. So we don't want to offend. We want to bridle the tongue. We want to be mature in our teaching and mature in our conversation. And we want to be circumspect in the teaching of God's Word so that the Holy Spirit of God will teach us each and every one.
0: Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, WHCB Radio. Dot org and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423 423- 423 Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.